Well, and then one of our um, core values here at Crossroads is that we go boldly, as Esther said in that video. And I was thinking about that. One of the things that she said early on gave me, gave me a thought. The fact of the matter is when it comes to missions and our involvement, your involvement, God doesn't necessarily need something from you, but he wants something for you. He wants you to partner with him. And when we get to partner with Christ Jesus and taking the gospel to the unreached peoples of the world, there's no greater blessing. I got a chance last um, last February to, or actually early March, to go to Brazil on a medical missions trip. And I'm telling you, um, it affected me profoundly to see the gospel going forth. 20 plus people gave their lives to Jesus Christ as a result of that trip. And it was a wonderful privilege to be a part of that. So whether you can go, whether you can send, or whether you can pray, you can have an involvement in missions here at Crossroads. So we want to encourage you uh, to consider what your part might be. Again, stop by that table in the lobby on your way out. Talk with one of our team members back there. Let's pray before we get into God's word this morning. Heavenly Father, your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Um, you have uh, you have promised us, God, that if we will seek you, you will show up. If we will open your word and study it, you will speak to us and you will change us. And so this morning, I pray that each and every one of us might be impacted by the preaching of your word, that we would be open to the Holy Spirit and what you have for us today. And um, may we never leave this place every Sunday the same as when we came in. So change us, transform us, renew our minds. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, we are in week three of our Keys to Freedom series. So we're on week three, but we're actually on our second key this morning called Renewing the Mind. And I want to talk to you about that this morning. And I brought, you know, I, don't, I think I made a mistake thinking it was so cold outside. I wore my sweater. And I'm telling you right now, I'm going to get sweaty. So I've got my little hanky up here. If I start waving it, I'm getting excited, all right? So I'm excited about this sermon this morning. I hope you uh, will be blessed by it. But I want to invite you to turn in your Bibles to uh, Romans chapter 12. I don't know what circles that you grew up in in church, maybe in your childhood, but in my circles in the Baptist church, when a preacher started waving his hanky, that meant that the Holy Spirit was showing up. And uh, man, if the preacher started throwing his Bible up in the air, that meant that they were getting charismatic and it was a little out of control. But uh, this morning, I'm, I'm looking forward to looking at Romans chapter 12, and then we're going to look at a lot of different scriptures today. Um, and so it'll be a little bit of a different type of message for me this morning, but I pray that it will encourage you. So I want to start with Romans chapter 12. We're going to focus on verse 2, but I want to start in verse 1 so we can get a little bit of context here today. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect." And I have to just pause there. Every time I open God's word, it's a reminder to me that it is God speaking to me. This is a book that is not just filled with information. And certainly there is a lot of information in here, whether it's historical, whether it's archaeological, whether it's anthropological. Like it tells us the history of the world in some ways. But it is not just a book of stories, right? Like these are accurate accounts of what God is doing in the world and in history. And so when we open up God's word, it wants to change us. 
But we have to get in the word before it can transform us. And so if you are just reading God's word for information, you are missing out on the application of it. And if you are missing out on the application, then there's a likelihood that you're missing out on the transformation that comes through the truth of God's word. And I don't know about you this morning, but I need to be transformed. I need to be changed on a regular basis. Through this Keys to Freedom journey that we are on comes the possibility that people might find transformation in their life, that they might discover spiritual and emotional and mental freedom in their life um, as they conform to the pattern of Christ and they become less and less like the patterns of this world. We're, there's a lot of people in our churches today that are living in bondage that need to be freed. And maybe some of you here this morning you have areas or corners of your life that no one else knows about, and you've been hiding them, you've been holding on to them, you've done a really good job of suppressing them, and no one knows your struggle, no one knows your battle, and secretly, internally, you do not have freedom. You are in chains to your sin or to your past or to that condemnation, but God's word brings us freedom. And we can have transformation in life. And praise God, we are already celebrating. Three weeks into this uh, discipleship journey, Keys to Freedom, we are already celebrating that at least one person has given their life to Jesus Christ as a result of what God is doing and preaching and, and, and as a result of uh, this Keys to Freedom. We've got another person that has made a decision to walk away that I know of. I'm sure there are dozens and dozens more stories. We've got another person that decided after years and years of alcohol consumption and maybe even addiction, they want to walk away from that and walk in freedom in Christ. So that's kind of the stuff that we're seeing. Yes, let's get that around the world. We are seeing freedom starting to happen in people's lives. And so it's a reminder to me that when Scripture says, if the Son has set you free, you will be free indeed. It's a reminder that this is a promise to each and every one of us that gospel transformation is possible, that freedom is offered to us if we will change our minds about who God is, if we will change our minds about our sin, if we will change our minds about our hurts and our habits and our pasts and our hang-ups. The problem is, is that many of us, we're being honest, many of us are stuck in our old patterns and our old ways of life. We're stuck in old patterns in our minds, and the mind is a powerful weapon, is it not? The mind has a ton of control in our lives. It can steer the course of our life in one direction or another. And I'll, I'll be honest with you, I struggle in my mind. Um, I struggle um, being a decisive person. I am a classic case of an indecisive individual. Any indecisive individuals in here this morning? Okay, I, I promise you, um, if you don't believe me, take me out to lunch sometime. Okay, uh, take me out to lunch and then ask me where I want to go. I am a classic flip-flopper. Um, I am a middle-of-the-road, ride-the-fence kind of guy. I see the good, I see the bad, I see the opportunity, I see the, 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 the barriers, all these things. But when it comes to a restaurant, if you ask me where I want to go eat, I will probably change my mind 15 different times before I end up just settling on Taco Bell. Okay, And you know why I settled on Taco Bell? Because I've realized the last five or six years that it actually has on their menu modern-day manna from heaven. It's nacho fries. 
And the reason I call it modern day manna is you're not quite sure what you're eating, but it's oddly satisfying, okay? I love nacho fries. But I, 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 I struggle in my mind to be a decisive individual, to be set on something and to set my course and to let my mind travel on paths of, of righteousness. I, you know, I'm just like every one of you where my mind wanders and I want to go toward the flesh and I want to go toward the world and I want to go toward the things that bring me satisfaction. But our minds can steer us not only toward um, destruction, but it can also steer us toward transformation. So why is our mind so important in the discipleship process? Well, I've got three quick points for you this morning. So you have your programs this morning. Go ahead and pull those out. I've got some blanks for you to fill in. There's three reasons quickly why the mind is so important in our process of transformation or discipleship. Number one, because your mind motivates actions. Your mind motivates actions. We're going to talk about this a lot this morning, but this is the, the focus that I want uh, to give to you this morning early on. You know, research tells us that the average individual makes 60,000 decisions a day. Now, that doesn't mean we're all equal in our thoughts in this room, right? Like, I, I can only imagine or only assume that the women in this room probably make on average about 100,000 decisions a day, and the men in this room might make about 20,000 decisions. It's a law of averages. We meet in the middle 60,000 people, There's a, or 60,000 decisions. There's a reason that women live longer than men, right? Because they think more. Ladies, can I get an amen? Amen. <laughs> women tend to think more. They use their brain. They're cognitive. They, they think things through. I know my wife as a, as a person, like, she, she's always telling me, like, I've got all these things going on. And she can't just, like, she can't stop thinking about all the different things that are on the calendar, all the different, different things that are priorities, all of the things that have to get done during the day. She's constantly thinking, having thoughts after thoughts after thoughts. But in your mind, I want you to understand there's a little bit of neuroscience this morning. There are neuropathways, okay? Whenever you think a thought, you create pathways in your brain. Now, neuroscientists and really, really smart people have figured all of this out. They've proven this. The more you think certain thoughts, the more you travel down those pathways and the more worn those pathways become, and then you begin to act upon them because they become familiar to you. So your 60,000 thoughts a day will dictate what you do every day. In fact, Proverbs speaks to this just a little bit. Proverbs 4.23 says, keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flows the springs of life. Now the Hebrew word, I looked it up, I looked it up, the Hebrew word for heart in this passage of scripture can also be translated into the mind. So the Bible tells us to keep our minds with all vigilance. Think about what we think about. Protect it. Protect our thoughts. Solomon is telling us that everything we do starts in the mind, and your thoughts create trails in your brain just like hiking trails. Now, if any of you ever hike out in the wilderness, you know that the more worn a path is, the longer it will last, the wider it becomes, and the more familiar you get with it to the point where you don't need markers and you don't need any kind of like information or directional signs. When you travel that path over and over and over, it becomes more and more familiar. Some of us, the truth is, is that some of us have been traveling these paths, these negative paths of thoughts, <coughs> for far too long. Maybe some of you were condemned as children by your parents. Why can't you just be like 
Why do you have to be this way? Some of you are condemned in your thoughts today. Maybe it's about your spiritual progress. Maybe it's about your physical appearance. Maybe it's about those decisions that you made years or decades ago, but you're living in condemnation in your mind, and you begin believing the thoughts that you think that you have about yourselves. And those thoughts drive you for many of us, it drives us to become self-fulfilling prophecies. We end up acting upon the things that we think about because those are familiar paths for us to continue traveling down. So your thoughts determine your actions and you do the things that you think even if you hate your thoughts. Am I preaching to anyone this morning? Anybody ever done that very thing that's like, man, I hate thinking this. I hate believing this about myself, but I just do. And I keep going back to that trail. I keep going back to that negative pathway. Well, our mind motivates our actions. The second thing, the second reason your mind is so important in the, um, in the discipleship process is because your mind is a battleground. Your mind is a battleground. Romans chapter 7 says this, For I delight in the law of God, in my inner being, but I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Folks, there is so much more than what we can see with our natural eyes going on around us. Many of us struggle to consider that this world is a spiritual battleground. We see what is in front of us, we see what is physical, we see what we can see with our natural eyes, but we forget that all around us is spiritual warfare. The enemy is firing arrows and fiery darts our way in order to get us sidetracked. And those darts come externally, they also come internally through our minds. Satan knows that if he can control your thoughts, he can defeat you on the battleground of the mind. Now, I'll tell you this, about six weeks ago, I was completely overwhelmed with negative thoughts. I kind of learned the value of this lesson that I'm speaking about. We were about a month away from launching Keys to Freedom. Now keep in mind, now we have almost 1,300 unique individuals in Crossroads that are part of Keys to Freedom groups. And somehow all of that responsibility fell to me. And I had to get people into groups, I had to find leaders. We had so many unanswered questions. We had so many problems to fix. I had so many decisions to make and I was completely overwhelmed. I felt like I was drowning in decisions. And I could sense that I was just getting discouraged. And I felt, honestly, I felt like a failure. I felt like this whole thing is going to fall flat. And it's all going to reflect upon me and my leadership. Well, I was vulnerable, just vulnerable enough to share that with Pastor Jake. Jake is on the community's team as well. So we were working through Keys to Freedom together. And he said, Chris, I'm struggling with the same thing right now. And in that moment, I decided to reorient my mind because I recognized that Satan was attacking, that this wasn't just something that was physical. This was mental. This was spiritual. And so immediately, once I recognized that this is the attack of Satan, that I was being uh, waged war against me, I immediately texted a few pastors on our staff and I said, fellas, I need you to pray for us right now. Because I know I'm being attacked, I'm getting discouraged, I feel like a failure, and I need some guys in my corner that will pray for me, that will take my problems and my situation to the throne of God. And I offered all of that up. And I knew in my mind that I had to control my thoughts. I had to think about my thoughts, and I had to fight for them. So there's a cosmic war, there's a cosmic war, and your mind is a battleground. 
And so we have to think about our thoughts in that way. Number three, the reason that the mind is so important in the discipleship process is because your mind is one of the keys to freedom. Your mind is a key to freedom. You know, a mind that is out of control ultimately leads to bondage. But a mind that is under control leads to liberty or freedom. Romans chapter 8. I'm going to read through these verses throughout the morning pretty quickly. There's a lot of scripture I want to read. Um, so we don't have time for everyone to turn to every one of these passages. But Romans chapter 8 verse 6 says, for, the, for, for to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. When you let your mind wander out of control on the things of this world, and every one of us at times have done that, it ultimately leads to death. But when your mind is set on the things of the spirit, when you set your mind on the things above, it leads to life and peace, which ultimately leads to freedom. Now, my wife has, has mastered this way better than I have. My girls, a lot of times, when they need something fixed, they come to me. When they need empathy, they go to my wife because she has a lot more empathy to give. And so sometimes they come to me for just like general counsel on things. But when they're struggling with the anxieties of life, they're struggling with the pressures of friends and sometimes decision making and just being young adult women, teenage girls, you know, preteen girls. That's where my girls are all at different phases of life. They oftentimes go to my wife. And when they take those struggles to her, one of the first things that she always asks them is this. What are you thinking about right now? What are your thoughts right now? She doesn't start with the external circumstances. She doesn't start by trying to analyze the whole situation, the whole problem. She doesn't start by blaming this person or that teacher or that coach or that friend. She doesn't point the finger. She, she first asks them, what are you thinking about? Because you need to think about the right things. She always directs them back to scripture. And it's always this verse, Philippians 4, 8. She's got it memorized. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. We need to be thinking about things that are set above. We need to be thinking about things that are true and lovely and just and praiseworthy, things that are commendable. Thinking new thoughts forms new neural pathways leading to paths of freedom and abandoning the old paths toward captivity. Have you guys ever been on a trail that looked like it hasn't been hiked in a long time, like nobody's set foot on it? The weeds and the bushes and the trees and the limbs and all that stuff start closing, closing in, closer and tighter and tighter. And so when you abandon those old pathways of bad thinking and faulty thinking and captivity and, and um, you know, just being in bondage, then you start creating new pathways that lead to freedom. So here's what we need to remember as we get a little bit further into our main points this morning. You can control your thoughts. Satan does not have the power to control you because you have the power and the authority of Christ Jesus inside of you. But the problem is, is that for many of us, for many of us, we have surrendered to the enemy's attacks, not realizing the supernatural power that we have inside of us, that we don't have to be controlled by Satan, that we don't have to be controlled by our flesh. We have a power inside of us that is greater than anything that is in the world. Scripture tells us, 
Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Do you realize that this morning? Do we understand the power that we have inside of us in Christ Jesus? Because in this battle of the mind, you don't have to wave the white flag of surrender. You don't have to give up and quit when the battle gets difficult. You possess the living spirit of God inside of you. And that power is greater than your enemy. God wants to transform you, but it starts by renewing your mind. Okay, so what are the three choices? I got three simple points this morning, practical, pragmatic, uh, hopefully something that you can take away today and apply to your life. Three choices when it comes to your mind. Number one, you can make the choice to feed your mind with truth. Make the choice to feed your mind with truth. You've all heard the phrase, garbage in, garbage out, right? Like we know that that's true with our bodies, but it's also true in our minds as well. When we put garbage in, garbage is going to come out. The more garbage I fill my mind with, the more I think about trash. The more I think about things that are not true and not lovely and not commendable, those things start to come out of me. So to be transformed, we gotta fill our minds with the right thoughts. We need a steady stream um, in our minds with truth that can counter the lies that the world throws at us. And we're all hungry for truth. And when we lack it, we'll feed on anything that satiates our appetite and our desires, that will give us direction. Have any of you guys ever heard of the uh, illusory truth effect? Probably not. I, I know you don't recognize that term, but I guarantee you, you've all experienced it. The illusory truth effect is, this is what happens when you hear the same false information over and over and over again, repeated in your life, you begin to believe it's true. And we see this happen all of the time. Um, it happens through propaganda media. You think about communist nations where there are dictators that are just brainwashing, you know, nations of people into believing certain things. They just... They preach and speak lies at random, and it's repetitive over and over, and all of a sudden people start believing it because it's what they're fed. It's that garbage that comes in. I don't know how many of you guys remember, and I'm not trying to pick a battle here. It's just the first thing that came to my mind when I was thinking about this point. But in the early days, the very early days of COVID, what were, what were we told over and over from the medical professionals to the media to politicians, all of this stuff? We need 15 days to stop the spread, <laughs> right? We need 15 days. Like, hey, if you just lock down, if you just stay in your house for 15 days, we can slow this pandemic down. We can slow down the spread of this coronavirus. Like, and we all thought, okay, like, yeah, that's, I don't know what else to believe. I don't know what is true. And so some of us believe that we bought into that. I was one of those people that kind of locked down I started believing because that's all that I was hearing. We didn't know what direction to go otherwise. Need further proof? There are people that are out there that legitimately believe that the earth is flat. There are people out there that believe that we've never landed on the moon, <laughs> that the whole thing was staged. There's people out there that believe that millions of Jews were never executed in the Holocaust. Because they filled their minds with lies. They filled their minds with misinformation that has brought them to the point where they believe the unthinkable. That's the power of your mind. And when you feed it constant lies, it begins to believe those lies. Matthew chapter 4, Jesus kind of counters that 
by saying in verse 4, he said, he said that, but, but he answered, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. You cannot live on a steady diet of the world and the things that the world tells you. You need to live on a steady diet and a steady nutrition of God's word and the truth that comes in his word. You can't survive on the persuasion of the world and the lies of the world. I read this quote months ago from Charles Spurgeon. He said this, the word of God is an anvil upon which the opinions of man are smashed. The word of God is what we need to smash our opinions on. And I'll be honest with you, I need my ideas, I need my opinions, I need my thoughts to be smashed on the word of God. Destroyed by the word of God sometimes because I get off track. I start believing lies. I start going this way and that way and I'm distracted and I need correction. And God's word provides me that correction and I need his word in my life. If you want to have a renewed mind today, you've got to become a student of God's word. And when I say student, I'm not talking like, okay, my Bible app says this is the verse of the day. I read it. Therefore, I must be spiritual or more spiritual. I'm not talking about just reading through a daily Bible reading plan. Now, there's nothing wrong with those things, but man, I'm talking about going deeper. I'm talking about getting into God's word and engaging with it and responding to it and memorizing it and chewing on the meat of it and savoring it. We need God's word in our lives because in the midst of your spiritual attacks that begin in your mind, you need truth. You need, to, you need to be able to combat it with truth. So what are you thinking about today? What are you meditating on today? What are you savoring today? You know, David knew that he needed truth in his life in the Old Testament. Here's how he responded when his enemies sought to destroy him and sought to kill him. Psalm 119, verse 147 says, I rise before dawn and I cry for help. I hope in your words. I hope in the words of God. Psalm 119, uh, 95, the wicked lie in wait to destroy me, but I consider your testimonies. David knew that he was under attack. David knew that people wanted him dead. And before he ever fretted about those things, before he ever even saw the sun come up day after day, he said, I hope in your words. I hope in the words of God and the words of truth. He meditated on them. See, folks, when you meditate on a, a daily diet of truth, your circumstances, the circumstances of this world and the enemy attacks won't rattle you. So we need to feed on a diet of truth. Number two, free your mind. Second decision, second choice, free your mind from destructive thoughts. Some of us are shackled by our thoughts, and you can't break away from those thoughts no matter how many mantras you recite, no matter how many counselors you see, no matter how many couch sessions you have, you talk through all of your problems, you just can't seem to be free from your thoughts because our brains oftentimes steer our behaviors. You know, when I first moved to Colorado, I got my very first dirt bike. It was a Honda XR400. The guys in the church said, hey man, if you want to fit in, you're in the mountains now, son. You need to get a, a dirt bike. I said, okay, I want to fit in. I'm going to get a dirt bike. Well, the only experience I had on two wheels up to that point was a bicycle. I knew how to ride a bike, but I did not know how to ride a motorized bike. I was really nervous about riding at high speeds up in the mountains on single track trails that might be much more narrow than this, this aisleway right here. But one of the the, the best pieces of advice that I got early on before I ever got on my dirt bike was this. 
One of the guys told me, he said, where your eyes go, your body goes. You will follow your focus. It's the same thing with our minds, folks. Where our brains go, our behaviors will follow. We have to work to free our minds of the destructive thoughts that we think. Because we have an enemy in our mind. We have multiple enemies in our minds. The enemies of our old sinful nature are working against us. The enemies of Satan and his lies and his deception. The enemies of the world that wants to convince us that we are our thoughts. They're all working against us in order to keep us from living lives of holiness. So don't believe everything you think. Satan loves to plant false narratives. Your sinful nature loves to deceive you in the world tries to convince you that you are your thoughts. But not all of your thoughts are true, are they? You ever had a random thought where you're like, where did that come from? Like, that's not true at all. I don't know why I'm thinking this. But for whatever reason, it popped into my mind. That might be your flesh, that might be the enemy, that might be the influence of the world. But not all your thoughts are true. We can't be fooled by the schemes of Satan. Paul knew this well. In 2 Corinthians chapter 2, he said this, so that we would not be outwitted by Satan, for we are not ignorant of his schemes. Paul knew what the enemy has been doing all throughout history, and he's still doing the same things today. He's scheming against us. He's trying to outwit us and outthink us and outplay us and outmaneuver us in order that we might be tripped up. The prince of the power of the air wants power over your mind to keep you in bondage to your past thoughts. By taking our thoughts captive, we can be free from the destructive thoughts that destroy us. So we need, to, we need to free our minds from destructive thoughts. And then, number three, focus. This is the third choice. Focus your mind on the right things. Focus your mind on the right things. You know, it's difficult to think straight and walk crooked, isn't it? You think straight, you're going to walk straight. Like, like, straight thinking leads to straight stepping. And, you know, how do we get our minds straight here so that we don't continue to walk in crooked ways? How do we get our minds straight? Well, I'm going to give you a simple, practical step. You think about Job. And I know what you're thinking here this morning. Who's Job? Job Mama? <laughs> okay, I was, a, I was a youth pastor for a lot of years. I'd say that joke and they would bust up laughing. Job Mama? Um, think about Job. And it's simply this. It's an acronym. Jesus, others, and eternity. Think about these three things, and it will it will straighten our minds, and just go ahead and stop thinking about my little joke that clearly fell flat, except for with my wife. Um, <laughs> some of you got it, but most of you have fell flat, but think about Jesus. So think about, when I talk about Jesus, think about this. Has anyone ever really thought about Jesus and decided, I'm gonna model my life after him and become a worse version of themselves? I doubt that that actually happens. People that think about Jesus become more like Jesus. Hebrews chapter 12 talked about this. It says, consider him, consider Jesus. Think about Jesus who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. And scripture tells us that when we feel like we're growing tired, when we feel like the battle is raging too much, when we feel weary and faint-hearted and we want to quit, think about Jesus who endured all of these things. And we can have the mind of Christ when we think about him. So we think about Jesus, we think about others as well. Philippians chapter 2 verse 4 says, let each, of you, let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. 
And this is entirely countercultural in our day and age today, isn't it? Like, we are told to look out for number one. We are told that before we can love others and care for others, we got to care for ourselves. And we got to love ourselves first. And we got to work on our self, our, our self gratification and our self, self help. But God tells us that the opposite is true, that we should focus on others first. When we keep our priorities in perspective, when I am no longer number one, Christ is number one in my life, and I think of others before myself, when I keep those priorities in perspective, I realize that I am blessed by putting others ahead of me. It keeps me from walking crooked. When I'm walking crooked, I start to see people as transactional. They're transactions. But when I'm walking straight, I see people as relational. And Christ has, has um, created us for healthy, life-giving relationships. And so when I have healthy, life-giving relationships in my life, then I think more clearly. I think more like Jesus. I think of others more. I have people holding me accountable. I become more like Jesus because they keep me on those pathways to freedom. So think about Jesus. Think about others and think about eternity. Colossians chapter 3, verse 2 says, Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. You know, when Becky and I were, when we were dating, okay, um, I couldn't help but think about her all the time. You know how it is. You remember when you were dating your spouse. You remember that special person. You couldn't keep your mind off of them. It was constantly fixed. In fact, in my dorm room in Bible college, I had what I called the Becky Shrine on the wall next to my bunk bed. This was before cell phones, before social media. You remember those days when you actually had to have physical pictures? I had pictures of my wife splattered all over the wall, and my roommate would come in, my friends would come in, and they would see that, and they would just be like, oh my goodness, you are so pathetic. But I, I couldn't stop thinking about my wife. And the more I thought about her, the more I missed her, the more I longed to see her, the more I longed to see her, the more I loved her, and the more I was desperate to see her face to face. Because understand that for like nine or 10 months of our um, relationship, we dated for just over a year before we got married. Um, for nine or 10 of those months, we actually were 400 miles apart. We had a very long distance relationship. And so I always longed to see her every four, maybe every six weeks, we would have some sort of meetup somewhere, whether in Texas or whether at Bible college or somewhere in between, we would see each other for just a couple of days. And I couldn't wait to see her face to face. And I'm telling you guys, I was thinking about that this week and I find myself making the comparison. The more I think about Jesus, the more I love them. The more I love them, the more I think about eternity. And the more I can't wait to see him face to face. That got me thinking to the old song that many of you know from probably 25 years ago. I can only imagine. Those lyrics to that song, I can only imagine what it will be like when I walk by your side. I can only imagine what my eyes will see when your face is before me. Surrounded by your glory, what will my heart feel? Will I dance for you, Jesus, or in all of you be still? Will I stand in your presence, or to my knees will I fall? Will I sing hallelujah? Will I be able to speak at all? I can only imagine. Friends, when's the last time that you got caught up thinking about eternity? 
When's the last time your thoughts drifted toward Jesus? And the more you thought about him, the more you desire to see him. And the more you start thinking about heaven and the more you start thinking about eternity. And I would tell you this morning that people that think about eternity are sometimes of the greatest earthly good. You've probably heard that phrase, like he, he's, uh, he's no earthly good because he thinks too much about heavenly things. I don't, I don't remember exactly how that phrase goes, but I just butchered it. But you know what I'm talking about. I would say that people that think about heaven are oftentimes the most earthly good. They make a difference in this world. You don't go to Uganda and Guatemala and Papua New Guinea and Brazil and you don't go to Costa Rica. You don't take the gospel message of Jesus to these other nations unless you are thinking about eternal things. Folks, it's estimated that there are over 3,000 promises in the Bible. 3,000 promises, and every one of those promises are God's thoughts toward us. So no wonder David could say in Psalm 139, how precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. So if God has this many thoughts about us, and I'm sure he has way more than 6,000 or 3,000 promises, I'm sure he has way more thoughts than that. If he has that many thoughts toward <laughs> us, should we not think more about him? Should we not fix our eyes and our thoughts on eternal things? Friends, feed your mind on truth. Free your mind from destructive thinking and fix your mind on the right things. And when we do those things, we will become transformed and our minds will be renewed in the process. So I want to encourage you with that as you get into your groups, either this morning or later on this week, be thinking about your thoughts. Renew your mind. You will be transformed when you are renewed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word that we can, um, we can set our mind on it. And it changes not only our thoughts, but it changes our life and our actions. God, it changes us from individuals that are in bondage and imprisoned to our past and our hurts and our sins and our addictions, and it gives us freedom to walk in Christ. And it's all because of Jesus Christ. So we are grateful for that. I pray that you would renew us. And as a result of our renewed minds, like Romans chapter 12 talks about, that we would be transformed into the image of your son, Jesus. It's his, in his name we pray. Amen.